Open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. Let's pray together. Father, thank You again for the privilege to just simply be the church this morning. Thank You for our time of worship. Thank You for... Lord, just the many blessings You give us daily. And as we turn our attention to Your Word, once again, we thank You for Your Word. Thank You again that You tell us that we are sanctified. We are set apart by Your truth. Your Word is truth. And Father, again, we don't just want to be hearers. We just don't want to hear more information, more data. What we really want is to hear from You. What we really need is for You, through Your Holy Spirit, to speak truth to us. Truth that we will appropriate. Truth that we will uh, apply truth that will transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. So we're not here just about accumulation of more data. We're here, Lord, to to be more like Jesus, to love you more, to love one another as you command us to. So, so Father, now, uh, as only you can do, lead us and guide us through your word and make specific application for each one here. In Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 2. Right? We've looked at these verses. The early church explodes. 3,000 people are added in one shot. Mega church. Well, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do if a third or so of Ojai got saved and showed up at our door? 3,000 people. What would we do? Right? More programs? What would we jump right into, right? What would we do if a third of this valley just showed up? Supernatural movement of God, right? What would we be about? What would be the core things that we would say, okay, stop, stop, stop. What do we got to be about? And verse 42 tells us what the early church was about. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Right? Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Right? So, so they do some core things. They focus on the main things. And then look at the last verse. The Lord added to their number daily those who are being... So we get stuck on this 3,000. But according to the verse, according to the Word, more and more people were coming every day they were getting saved. So that kind of blows out of the water. Any, any idea we have that we just got to keep it manageable. You know, if you walk with Jesus any length of time you find out he's not about keeping things manageable. Oftentimes it's more like, hold on and come with me. Right? And, and, and it says there in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Right? So not only were they devoted to the Word, they were actually devoted to fellowship. And we've been trying to examine biblically, what is fellowship? Because many of us, if you've grown up in the church... Quite honestly, you may have brought some things through the doors this morning that really skew, really affect your view of fellowship, this word. And, and here's the thing. If you don't understand fellowship biblically, it has a direct impact 
on how you interact, treat, engage with the other people sitting in this room. It really does. Because we, we, we've understood that, that fellowship is not just part of a church name, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, right? So fellowship isn't just sort of a synonym for, oh, that means church now, right? Fellowship isn't just the fellowship hall, right? Fellowship isn't just coffee and donuts after service or potlucks, right? Fellowship, fellowship is, is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And you see in your notes there, the, the basic definition, the root of fellowship is this, this sense of commonness. That you have things. We saw it in Acts 2. That the believers had everything in common. Now, in, in that context, we think, oh, yeah, you mean they were just sharing the material things. The sharing of the material things flowed out of an understanding of their commonness at the heart and spiritual level. Okay, and you see in your notes there, fellowship is based primarily on relationship. Starting with our new covenant relationship with God this way, you are in Christ. And immediately, right, immediately, we've seen over the last few weeks, you are put into the body of Christ, so you have relationships this way. It's not, it's not God asking you, hey, would you like to be a part of the body of Christ, yay or nay. You are put in, baptized into, immersed into the body of Christ. So everyone say, I'm in. Okay, it's not voluntary. It's not voluntary. You, you put your faith in Jesus. You are in Christ vertically. You are in the body of Christ horizontally. You're in. That is the basis. That is the core of this word fellowship. Right? Now, it says there, it also includes partnership or participation. It means you've got to do something. And it means more than bringing food to a potluck. That's part of it. Right? This word fellowship means that you are actively engaged in the lives of the believers in the church. Actively engaged. I'll say that again. Actively engaged. Now, now I'm going to warn you, this morning we are going to look at a whole lot of verses. And I'm not going to do a lot on each verse. I may, I may just read a verse and move on because it's a self-explanatory verse. Here's, here's, here's why we're doing this. Because the Word of God speaks for itself. You know? And, and sometimes when you hear a quantity of Scripture, God begins to resonate in your heart more than just listening to some guy talk about talk at you for 45 minutes. Sometimes you just need to sit and let the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God, speak. Because today, we're going we're to continue looking at fellowship and hopefully you're going to understand when you leave here, huh, huh, I, I've got things in common with everybody here. I've got things in common with everybody here. Right? More than just a common trip or a common potluck or a common church service. Fellowship goes much, much deeper than the fact that you happen to attend the same church. Right? Fellowship really cuts to the core of who we are. And we saw last, last week in First Peter, right? Peter says, hey believers, 
You have phileo love for each other, which means brotherly love. You like hanging out, right? How many of you enjoy the company of somebody in this room? Somebody, right? We enjoy potlucks. We're going to go to the Dead Sea Scrolls. We like hanging out, right, Brendan? We have a good time, right? So phileo love, brotherly love is I like you, you like me. We laugh, we joke, we have a donut, right? Last week, we, we saw Peter said, hey, great. You guys that go to OBCF, great. You have great brotherly love, phileo love. He says, but don't stop there. You have to go to what kind of love? Agape love, right? First Peter 1, 22 and 23 says, hey, you have great phileo love. You too, right? How long have you known each other? Like 20, 35 years, right? Right? So you got a lot of phileo love. But he says, even you two, don't stop there. You got to go to agape love. Why? Because phileo love can become selfish. It it can become self-centered. I like you. You make me happy. You make me laugh. You make good food, right? (laughs) Right? And if we're not careful, our phileo love degenerates into serve me, meet my need. Pastor, give me something new, right? Worship team, sound better to me, right? All this kind of stuff. And so what can start out as a wonderful thing, phileo love, if we're not careful, can degenerate into selfishness. And we saw that, right? Remember the church at Corinth? Remember the Apostle Paul was pretty mad last week, right? Because the church at Corinth would have an agape meal. Once a week they would gather. And it was a potluck. And there were two groups of people basically in the, in, in the social system then. There was the very rich and the very poor. And at this church potluck, all the rich people would bring food, right? And drink alcohol. And Paul says, hey, church, I'm kind of angry right now. Because when you gather for this agape feast, this love meal, you rich people... You're eating all your food before the poor people even get there. And you're getting drunk. And then, to top it off, after you've done that, you celebrate communion, which is all about Jesus' self-sacrificial love. He's like, oh my gosh, church at Corinth, don't even meet. You're doing more harm. You see what was happening? The rich people are like, hey, let's all get there 30 minutes early, guys. Let's all get there 30 minutes early. You bring this, you bring this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, you're here. Oh, we're sorry. All the food's gone. We're sorry, you poor people, who was probably, this is the biggest meal you had once a week. But we ate it all. But let's celebrate communion now. And and remember that we're all one body and, and remember Jesus' sacrifice. Let's all do that together, though. What happened there? What happened? Not only was it that their, their sense of brotherly connection, right, turned inward, what happened also was that the rich people were viewing the church through a worldly lens. They still saw a class distinction. We're the rich. Those other people who go to our church you see the difference? They were still thinking. They had this worldly cultural mindset that they brought through the doors and said, you know what? In here on a Sunday morning, there's still class distinctions. Hmm. 
And that cultural mindset started to bleed into the activities of the church. And that's what we're going to look at. If you look at your outline, I kind of titled this. It's not in there, but, but you'll see it later. It's, it, it's this phrase, we're all commoners. I don't know if you, years and years ago, there was this movie that, that my wife, it's one of, it's like her favorite movie, and, you know, by default, then it becomes mine because we watch it over and over and over. Ever After, right? There's a movie called Ever After, and it's one of those set back kind of in medieval times, and there's this prince, and he falls in love with a commoner, a commoner. And the whole movie's about, you know, the prince, the royalty, you know, liking this commoner, and, and are they ever going to be able to have a relationship because he's nobility and she's a commoner, right? And, and there's this distinction that, that I said, you know what? Thank you, Lord, because we have to understand if we're going to have true fellowship as a body, we've got to start from the fact that we're all commoners. We're all commoners. Now, there's that obvious distinction, well, you're the pastor, you're the, you're the clergy, and we're the laity, and the Bible says, eh. Because who's the priest here? Who does, who's the New Testament called priests? Okay, Jesus is the high priest. Who is the royal priesthood? Okay, everyone do this very slowly. Do this. If you're a believer, you're a priest. You're part of the royal priesthood. Right? Now, now I have a calling to shepherd and everything like that, but there is no distinction here. I'm, one of, I'm a commoner. Betty, I'm just a commoner. Right? And, and, and it's, it's one of those things we project and we bring with us through here. And if we're not careful, we begin to project on one another. And inadvertently, that begins to create these walls which breaks down fellowship. Which breaks down fellowship. Turn to Matthew. Turn to Matthew 26. And I was, as I was thinking, I'm like, Lord... A lot of people, a lot of us who've been in church for a while, we go, oh, yeah, yeah, we're commoners, we're commoners. And, and yet, I think if we're honest, we struggle with that a little bit. We struggle. And, and, I, and, and this, this passage came to mind about why we, may, why we may just struggle with this. Matthew 26, starting in verse 31. Jesus predicting Peter's denial, right? Matthew 26:31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Verse 33. Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, This very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me. Three times. But Peter declared, Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the other disciples said the same. Right? So Jesus is trying to kind of say, Hey guys, you're all in common. And let me share something that you all have in common. You're going to bail on me. And look at what Peter says. Even maybe with the best of intentions, let's give Peter the benefit of the doubt. Even if everyone else does, I never will. What's he saying? I'm not a commoner. I'm better. I'm more spiritual. 
I don't, I, right? I'm stronger. I'm not going to fall like everyone else. What is that? It's pride. It's just straight up pride, self-reliance, to the point where he's denying Jesus. <laughs> Jesus straight up says, hey, all of you are about to deny me. You're all commoners. You're all commoners. Peter, at the heart level, refuses to accept that he's a commoner. And we know how it plays out. Question for us. Are you a commoner? Do you really accept what the Bible says about you and me and Betty and Ernie? God, that, that, you know what? We're all commoners. And sometimes it's that pride and that self-reliance, even masked in churchiness, that creates walls. Because that's good for them. You know, I, 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 I understand these comments when, when people say it, so don't take it the, the wrong way, but sometimes people will come up to me and say, hey, that's a good message. I know someone that, that really needs to hear that. You know someone that really needs to hear that message. <laughs> just looking, right? And it, it's kind of interesting. I get what they're saying, and I just take it at face value. But I also wonder, well, what did God say to you? Or during the whole entire message, you kept going, oh, yeah, and she needs to hear that. Another good point. I'll make sure to tell her that, too. I'm going to write that one down for her, too. And all the while, they missed the point that God wants to be talking to them because they're a commoner. And they need to be hearing and responding to God's Word just as much as that friend that they're perceiving this would be really good for. We're all commoners. And for some of us, for all of us, you know what that should do? I wouldn't go, because you know what? Churches can be some uptight places. Because everybody in here, you're a commoner, but you want to look like royalty. You look good. You look really good, <laughs> right? <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. There's not. There's absolutely. I, I like that. Nothing wrong with that. Because it's an issue of the heart. We're all commoners, in a sense, peasants. But the church, we gotta show up, and we gotta, we gotta be royalty, right? And we gotta. And it's like, come on, man. <laughs> You're a commoner. You're just. And if we can get there and we can accept it, okay, if we can accept that, you know what does? Oh. And you know what happens to our fellowship? It matures and deepens. Because instead of dancing around each other and being afraid of what everyone's going to think about me, we can just say, hey, I'm just like you, man. I'm just like you, right? I'm just like you. We're commoners. We're commoners. And so we're going to take a Bible survey this, this, this morning. And I appreciate you know, your, your patience with it. And uh, you're going to get very familiar with your, with your Bibles. And we're going to race around a little bit. And we're going to start core. Okay? But here's the thing. Even if you've heard some of these verses a million times, here's the heart. It applies to everyone. It applies to everyone. Because we're all commoners. All right? So what do we have in common? I kind of uh, phrased it vertical, 
Christ. Actually, let's go this. Let's go to Colossians 3. This would be a good, a good kickoff. Colossians 3. Colossians 3. And then all these verses are in your notes, so if you want to cheat and start marking, but don't get too far ahead. Colossians 3. Eleven. All right. Speaking to believers, it says this. Here, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. Amen? Look, I don't know how much Scripture can be more clear. There are no distinctions. Class, culture, background, race. If you're a believer in the body of Christ, Christ is it. Period. Period. That verse right there destroys any sort of social, economic, racial barrier that we might have. And you know what's sad? Even in the church, sometimes you will hear a statistic that Sunday mornings are the most segregated part hours in this country. Because everyone still goes to their thing. There is no distinction. Right? Colossians 3.11. Christ is it. Period. It's just Jesus. Amen? It's just Christ. Right? And then turn to 2 Corinthians. I'm going to go left. 2 Corinthians 5. Verse 16. The Apostle Paul says this. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. He's like, you know what? One time in my life, I looked at Jesus a certain way, but that's all changed. But the first part of that verse is, therefore, from, so from now on, we regard no one from a what? Worldly point of view. What that means is, if you're a believer... The way that you view people has got to come through the lens of what? Scripture. So Colossians 3 says, hey, there's no distinction. 2 Corinthians says, hey, when we look at each other, it's got to be through the lens of the Bible. Not from what the world says about each other. Imagine the testimony of the church if we took just those two to heart. If the world says, man... You guys really don't have those. You guys really love each other and there's no distinctions and you're all about Jesus and you, everyone's welcome? Yeah. That's what the world needs to see in this fragmented, disjointed, you know, world that we live in. The church is called to say, hey, Christ is it. And we look at each other through the lens of Scripture. Very powerful. So what do we have in common? Vertically and positionally. Okay. So let's go to Romans 3.10. We'll start in Romans. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. Turn to, go to verse 23, Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So, commoners, what do we all have in common? 
We all needed a Savior. Amen? That's the starting point. That levels the playing, the playing field. All that comparison and all this, you're this and you're that. No, this, these verses level the playing field. We're all sinners. There's none righteous. Okay? And we go, ah, we're all commoners. We're all in that boat, right? What I'm going to do is I'm going to go through these verses because I want, to look at, I want you guys to actually look more at the verses on the back. But saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, right? We're saved by what? Grace. Okay, so commoners, what do we have in common? We are saved by has anybody here earned it? Can anyone boast? Okay. All right. First Peter 1.22 says we've been born again. If you're a believer, you've been born again. Amen? What does that mean? You've been given a new heart. A new, uh, you desire the things of God. You've been regenerated. We've talked about that, right? You're a new creation. Who here is a new creation? You have it in common. Right? We're children of God. Yet to anyone who received Him, He gave the right to become children of God. So, what do we have in common? We are what? Children of God, right? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're members of the body of Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven. How many of you are citizens of heaven? Look around. Hold it up and then look around. You're not the only citizen here. You're not the only one that's going to be on that plane, whatever, right? We're all citizens, right? And we all have a living hope, confident expectation that one day we're going to see Daryl again, right? So vertically, positionally, are we, are we, are we commoners? Are, are, is anyone better than anyone? No. Ah. <sighs> Now, is it okay to, to, to sort of emulate and have a mentor and, and someone who's further along in their relationship with the Lord that, that is helping you? Absolutely. As long as you remind yourself that they're a commoner too. They're just a commoner. Right? Doris is just a commoner. Right? Oh, yeah. And Doris, by the way, I appreciate what you said up here. Remember we talked about you having a hard time saying thank you, right, and receiving it. How many of you commoners were ministered to by her admission that she has a hard time. Look around. Look around. So, from one commoner to all of you, God used that to minister. Amen? Because you said, I bet many of you who raised your hand said, Really? Doris struggles with receiving two? T-O-O? Because she's a commoner. Commoner. Sometimes one of the things we have to guard against in the church, guys, is putting people on pedestals pedestals because it's not fair to them and it's not fair to you either doris is just a little further along and, and she's not perfect <laughs> and if we get to know each other's story if we stop sort of being so afraid of admitting our commonness you might just find that the people around you are just like you <laughs> same stuff same stuff Okay, now these are the verses I really want us to look at horizontally. Flip it over. Horizontally, we're all in the sanctification process, all right? Let's turn to John. John 15. What do we have in common horizontally, practically? Well, that first sanctification, we're all called to holiness, right? Let's look at John 15. John 15. 
What do we have in common? Complete dependence on Christ. John 15, starting verse 3. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So, based on those very last phrase, what do we all have in common? That apart from Jesus, what we can do what? Do what? You believe that? We try, right? Oh, Lord, even if all deny you, I never will. Oh, Lord, this half can do nothing. This half, we can do a little bit. What do we all have in common? Jesus says to everyone, apart from me, you can do nothing. Deep breath. So can you stop trying to do it on your own? And can you tell the person next to you, hey, you can do nothing. Go ahead, just tell them. You can, you can do nothing apart from Jesus. Just say, hey, you can do nothing apart from Jesus. Does that feel good? We all have it in common. See, some of these verses, why are they hard? Because it gets our pride. Jesus goes right to our heart. You can do nothing. Oh, Jesus, you don't know me. I'll show you, Jesus. Tell me I can do nothing. I'm a, right? Let's get real. You hear that verse, apart from me, you can do nothing. Oh, oh, Jesus, you just don't know me. I'll show you. I'll show you, Jesus. Because how many of you grew up when someone says you can't do something, you said, I'll show you. Okay, right? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> then you fall flat on your face, right? And so we have that, that, that's kind of a good trait at a human level. That's a good thing. It's accepting a challenge, except for when Jesus says it. When Jesus says it, you got to go, oh, you're right. You're right. And I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of people this morning that can't do anything either. Does that make you feel better? It's okay. It's okay. The, the, the freedom in that verse is to go, hey, um, Bill, that verse says I can do nothing. Can you help me? Hey, hey Ernie, that verse says with, without Christ I, I can do nothing. I need some help, man. See, if we can get to that place of just receiving Jesus' truth, then we start to open up to one another in, 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 in honesty and transparency. Because Jesus already knows what's true about us. He's just waiting for us to catch on. Right? He's just waiting for us to catch on. Mutual dependence. We've looked at that, right? Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. What else do we have in common? We're all part of the body of Christ. We all need each other. There's a mutual dependency. 1 Corinthians 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But I love this part. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body. 
but that its part should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. What do we have in common? We need each other and we should care about each other. Right? This morning we're kind of living that verse. One part suffers. As a family, we all grieve. And when something good happens in your life or you want to share some, a, a praise report, what do we do? We all rejoice. There's a mutual dependency and a mutual care and concern that we have in common. We have in common. There's no Lone Rangers. There's no hovering around the outside. Okay? We have it in common. Right? Turn to um, Ephesians 4. Keep going to your right. What else do we have in common? Ephesians 4.16 in context. Apostle Paul is talking about the different giftings given to the body. Ephesians 4.16 From Him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as what? Each part does its what? Work. Okay, so who is a part of the body? According to the last part of that verse, what do we all have in common? Work. That verse specifically says, hey, all of you sitting here, part of the body of Christ, the whole body is going to grow and mature as each of us in common does our work. You have work to do as part of the body of Christ. That's what we have in common. Okay? For the edification and growth of everybody. Alright? Turn to 1 Corinthians. So we have responsibilities in common. 1 Corinthians 10. Now we're going we're gonna to shift a little bit and we're going to get out to some of the things we have in common that we deal with in the world. That we deal with in the world. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. What do we have in common? Temptations! Everyone go, because see, he's got temptations. And maybe she and see we're we're good at pointing out other people's temptations and where they're struggling. But me? Hmm. No, what do we have in common? It's right there. We're all tempted. With the same things that are common to man. It's okay. You know what? If someone comes up to you and says, Hey man, can you pray with me? Or hey man, can you help me get some counsel on this? Hey man, can you show me what the Bible says about this issue? Because I'm being tempted. You know what you say as a brother and sister in the Lord? Okay, yeah, we're all tempted. With the same things. That things that are common to man. Isn't that freeing? We're all commoners. We're all commoners. Okay? We're trying to level the playing field here, right? Turn to First Peter five. So not only are we uh, commoners in terms of temptation. First Peter five, Hebrews, James, first Peter. Verse 
1 Peter 5, 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. All right, you commoners, what do we have in common? A common enemy. You know, 20 years of ministry, i got to tell you, the church is really good at shooting its own wounded. When there's a real enemy out there, that doesn't like us. And it just doesn't like me. It's not about me. We have a common enemy. Turn to the person next to you and say, oh yeah, you're not the enemy. (laughs) Now that could be healing for some relationships in this room. Maybe. (laughs) Oh, that's right. The, the, The people in the body of Christ are not the enemy. We've got to be reminded we're commoners. We're tempted with the same stuff. We've got a common enemy. <sighs> Are you getting the sense here? Are you getting the sense that maybe we're all in this together? Are you getting the sense that we're really not much different? That the Bible says, no, there are no distinctions, are there, when you're talking about heart level stuff. There are not there aren't no distinctions, right? In those other verses... Persecution. Let's we'll close with this one. John 15. Let's go to John 15. So we're commoners in this issue of temptation. We're commoners in a common enemy, the devil, that wants to destroy every believer. Right? Every believer. That's our common enemy. John 15. Verse 18. If the world hates you, Jesus is talking to his disciples, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. What do we have in common? We're not on the world's Christmas card list. The world hates us. And that's what we have in common. The world's not thrilled with us. So we have these temptations in common. We got a common enemy. We got a common sort of hatred from the world for what we stand for. Right? Look at John 16 at the end there. Jesus says, uh, verse 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. What do we have in common? Trouble. Tribulation. So turn to the person next to you and say, you too. Go ahead, just turn to the person and say, you too? You got trouble? You got tribulation too? We do! We got all this stuff in common, and yet on a Sunday morning, we're going to show up like royalty. How are you? Fine, brother. How was your week? Smashing. I mean, why, you know, I mean, we got all this stuff in common. Amen? Temptation, a devil that hates us, the world that hates us, trouble. We're all commoners. We're all commoners. But you know the glorious truth is, we all got a common Savior. And we all have common spiritual resources to appropriate the Holy Spirit in us, right? And what else do we have in common? Each other. Each other. And that's, that's what we're about here, is, is enjoying our common 
hood. I don't even know if that's a word. Our commonness. Thank you. Conjugate common. Our commonness. Oh, is it okay to dress up? Absolutely. Is it okay to wear shorts if you want? You know, whatever. You know, that's a heart issue. We're, we're talking about connecting. Love. Love. And how do you really love someone? When you get to know them, huh? When, 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 you, when, when little by little, you peel back the layers and, and you just go, this is, this is what's going on. You know, and one of the things I've appreciated about you, Betty, you and Daryl, is through those the last four years, due to the circumstance, the veneer got pulled back. And, and, and you allowed us in. And we were there. And you know what? We just had stuff in common, didn't we? We just found out. We just, we, I struggle too. Right? We, we, all, we all got stuff in common. That's, that's why He put you in the body of Christ. He didn't put you in the body of Christ as another sort of pageant. He put you in the body of Christ because He knew that we needed to be in there. Because you're not different than anybody else. And, and I encourage you to go through those verses, look at them again, allow God to just speak truth to you that, ah, oh, you, mean, you mean I can just, ah, oh. yes. That's fellowship. That's having something in common. It's what we share spiritually. And that's where all of our activities are going to flow out of. Okay? I'm going to invite the band up before we, before we take communion. I wanted, I wanted to sing a song that really kind of summarizes this idea of commonness and unity and fellowship. And, and, I, and I ask you just, as you're reflecting on, on what we've heard this morning, as we sing this song, maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's a time for you to say, Lord, you know, if I'm honest with you, I've been kind of like Peter. I didn't want to be a commoner. Lord, I may have had some spiritual pride. I may have, I may have, I may have had some spiritual pride and, and, and I've been afraid to let people in. I've been afraid to show my commonness. Maybe through this song and through communion afterwards, God will just say, hey, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. We're all commoners with a common Savior. Amen? Let's sing this song together.